I'm Jen, and I use she, her pronouns. I'm Karen, and I use he, her, and she, her pronouns. And you're speaking queerly with KYC. Hey, Karen. Yes? Do you know what the strongest muscle in the body is? Uh, I've heard it's like tongue or... Close. I don't know. Buttocks? Cl- <laughs> I don't know. That might be the largest muscle. I don't know. Oh, yeah. The strongest muscle in terms of force is actually your calf. Okay. But the strongest muscle in terms of pressure, like exerted, mm-hmm. is your jaw. And you can actually close your teeth with a force as great as 200 pounds. That makes sense. Like, I grind my teeth, so that makes sense that yeah. that much force is happening. Yeah. Yeah. Do you, you grind your teeth at night? Um, clench and grind. Mm. Yeah, I'm better now. You know, you remove anxiety and then yeah. that, that happens, but it still once in a while can pop up. So a clench jaw can be very, very intense. So I believe that. Yeah. I believe that one. Yeah, I used uh-huh. to do that as a kid, actually. Oh, yeah? I grind my teeth. Yeah. Uh-huh. So I, don't, I must have had some kind of right. childhood anxiety. But yeah, <laughs> right. I seem to be okay now, but. I'm glad. So, yeah. Thanks. Thanks. Yes. Um, so actually this is a really exciting episode because we have our first guest here today. We do have a guest here, Michaela Robinson. You want to give us a shout? All right. Thank you. Thank you, KYC. Oh, thank you. Um, we'll do a little more of a formal introduction in a little mm-hmm. bit, but Michaela, please feel free to jump in with anything we're going to talk about here. So cool. All right. So it's, it's been a huge, um, year so far, actually, yeah. when it comes to political news here mm-hmm. in Ohio. Um, we talked in the last podcast about a couple of bills, one which was um, to ban conversion therapy, which mm-hmm. good, positive. Mm-hmm. The other one, um, very much anti-trans legislation mm-hmm. um, and, yeah, evil stuff, <laughs> right? So uh, the Republicans in Ohio are continuing this trend um, by introducing a ban on um, trans athletes from playing in girls slash women's sports. Mm -hmm. Um, And this, what I'm about to read is actually from the Columbus Dispatch, and they say, the Save Women's Sports Act would require the Ohio High School Athletic Association to block any male-born student from participating in a girls sport in both public and private schools. Uh, Currently, the OHSAA requires transgender girls to show proof that they've been on hormone therapy for at least one year or demonstrate that the student doesn't have a physiological advantage over other athletes her age. Mm-hmm. Um, for one, that's already a lot of gatekeeping that's happening sure. here, but now they're trying to take it a step further. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts? I have plenty of thoughts on this. I think um, the angle, because when you listen to commentary or people that have written up this type of legislation, same with House Bill 513, um, that was talking about, you know, people committing felonies, even if, uh, you know, there was consenting parents, like, getting any type of resources. These bills are written, but they're not written by people that have any type of knowledge about the actual processes that people go through. And so for me, when I'm listening to this, it feels like an attack, obviously, because mm-hmm. there's been several bills that have been written specifically targeting trans and LGBTQ youth, but like most mostly trans folks. And then um, when you hear like even the titles of the bills, like the Save Women's Sports Act, it like it's been this big issue mm. that all the, like these aren't even things that we talk about. I'm an OHSA referee 
I used to play basketball and coach basketball Mm -hmm. in the state. And these weren't issues like that we were talking about. Like that rarely was occurring. And if you can deal with that one isolated incident by an incident, a lot of people aren't trying to play sports just because of the culture of sports, honestly, that are in these specific situations. But those that are, it should be a dialogue with people that know what the heck is going on. And unfortunately, the people that are, are talking about it are not the people that know what exactly is happening. And their their come from is, well, I'm not going to have one girl not have a chance because someone who was born assigned male at birth is going to come in and take her position. Um, and sports isn't about fairness and, and genetics play a role in it, um, but it's not it's not the only thing. And so when you're talking about like teamwork and community and belonging and being like that, that's not the come from that they're coming from. Mm-hmm. So it's almost two different conversations. Like we should be having a conversation about that possibly if there are more people that are trans that are wanting to participate in high school athletics. And um, it shouldn't be from the people that are maybe their kids terrible. I don't really know why they are so worried about someone coming in and taking their spot, but that's not like the come from that needs to be had to have this conversation. And I just don't think the right people are having it. Agreed. So it's frustrating. And it's it's definitely taking away a major outlet for mm-hmm. these students. Um, I don't have the statistic offhand, but I know there was something that there are a lot of trans students who playing a sport actually helps them. Sure. And I think it goes back to the community and, mm-hmm. and kind of that yeah, in the education and social work fields, we, we look at the ACE study a lot, and an ACE can be some sort of, um, and even in academics, we call it um, non-academic barriers, and when you're looking at non-academic barriers, you know, community, do you go to a church, or do you have a faith, or do you have um, outlets within your community, do you have after-school programs, do you have extracurricular activities, when you're looking at all those things combined, the more things you have going for you, um, and then with the ACE study, it's like those things that you don't have. So the more ACEs you have, the more of a risk you are for, you know, different type of things and different type of struggles and depression and anxiety, those type of things. So if you're looking at this as an opportunity, like, yes, it is an opportunity. Um, and I really just don't think it's that big of a conversation right now. Eventually, I think it should be had, but I don't, I don't really think it's that thing where it's like, this is the hill to die on. I, that's, that's, that's not it where it's at right now. Agreed. I, no, agree. I love it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love what you're saying. Um, and you also mentioned, you know, physiological advantage. Like, mm-hmm. it's not, it's sort of a moot point, really, right. when it comes to, especially high school sports. Yeah. I think mostly college sports as well. Yeah. But I, it, it seems like an, it seems like an odd thing to point out, especially when we, uh, the most famous example is Michael Phelps mm-hmm. and how he's a, he's a cis man who, he's a, obviously the most decorated Olympian mm-hmm. of all time. Mm-hmm. Um, and they've done studies on him and his body is built to swim. Right. So does that mean he has some kind of right. advantage where he shouldn't have been a swimmer because it wasn't, quote, fair mm-hmm. to other people? I really just think the whole conversation with athletics about fairness is like, it's a really hard conversation <laughs> for me to have because I'm like, it's not supposed to be fair. Mm-hmm. Um, if people want to play, you know, uh, sports and stuff like that, then it, you should be competitive. And um, yeah, you have to realize it's it's not about fairness. It's about gifts, talent, teamwork, all that kind of stuff. And there are lots of things to be pulled from an experience like that. Um, and uh, yeah, I just don't, physiologically, I think that's a conversation. and. There are physiological differences, and I don't think that um, 
I mean, even especially with, like, I, I understand why they're giving it a year, and I think maybe they have some people that have some language around this, and so I think that's a conversation that, you know, they should be bringing to places like uh, people that are working in the LGBTQ community, especially, like, at the top, or somebody in health that, like, can actually speak to what they're looking for to find out about what that could look like. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Agree. So, it, I mean, it's pretty clear Kaleidoscope View Center does not at all support this. <laughs> um, so, you know, we'll, we'll continue to kind of work as much as we can in that sort of advocacy capacity um, to try to stop all this, all this really nationwide agenda that, that is happening. So. Uh, switching gears to, uh, you know, something that's a little more positive, um, Disney slash Pixar um, is introducing their first openly LGBTQ character in their new movie that's coming out um, on March 6th, so by the time this podcast is out, it's already going to be released, um, yes. called Onward, and Lena Waithe is actually voicing yes. the character, so, so that's that. pretty cool. Yes, I'm really excited about that. Um, I'd love to hear Michaela just fight in her own spots about representation in media and just what you feel like that brings. Um, I think it's amazing that there's going to be some representation, and I think there always should be. I know that there are people on the fence who feel like showing LGBT characters in Disney and stuff like that is problematic. But just as we know, everything has always been around, so LGBT people have always been around. So we should also be able to see ourselves that anything that's being put out, may it be toys, May it be television, may it be media, may it be uh, magazines or anything like that. Because it allows our youth and young people to know that it's okay to be who they are. They can grow up and still be successful. And they still also have the opportunities to merge and grow into any type of field of work that they desire. And that their sexuality is not going to hold them back. Well, I don't think I have anything else to say to that. <laughs> yeah, for <laughs> exactly sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm curious from, from both of you, mm-hmm. when if any, was the first time maybe, maybe not 100% representation, but you felt when you were watching a movie or TV mm-hmm. show that you were being reflected in some way? I think it really starts around like Family Matters, like those sitcoms mm. that you had, like Family Matters was it, obviously the Cosby Show, which has its, I'm sure people um. have that right now. But it was a great, I mean, it was a great show. Mm-hmm. Um, it would be different world. Yeah, I think Family Matters, Different World, mm-hmm. Little Single, uh-huh. Living Color, mm-hmm. uh, Wayne's Brothers, yep. like all that type of stuff that was out on um, those old networks that start counseling a lot of stuff, Mark, and um, it was just so much. Um, but I would say um, there was always the LGBT person in almost everything that came on, so it's just about realizing and knowing. Um, mm-hmm. I know when Will and Grace came out, I was... Um, not allowed to watch it at home at uh. first, but like my mom, she just always said my sisters don't let me watch it, but they also liked the show, so I was still able to watch it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that was like one of the early um, shows, I think that showed like active LGBT people working in um, film and television, but I do believe it's more before then as well, so. Yeah, I definitely think like in, in Living Color when I think about their portrayal of like someone gay, yeah, it was like so flamboyant oh, yeah. and you're like, but I'm, okay. Um, but then like when I think about Ellen for me, it mm-hmm. was like Ellen like came out and I was like, oh, okay, like the gay is okay. Like, cause I saw myself 
as a black person represented mm-hmm. way before I saw any type of queerness like yeah. represented. So I was like, oh, okay. And then it was like, you know, she went away for a while mm-hmm. and then she had to like regroup, rebrand and then come back on again. So I was like, it's not just the notion to, to be out, you know, in the industry. So that's definitely, that definitely tells us something like, I think we're in a better place the more people we see, but there's always growth to be had because it should, you know, it should be so complicated to to be in the industry or like to succeed because of your sexual orientation. Like that shouldn't have much to do with it at all, actually. So, yeah. Sure. Yeah, I remember Wanda and Shanae. <laughs> yes. To see um, her sexual black man play um, a feminine role or character, mm-hmm. but it was just basically drag and it was just the art of you know acting. Mm-hmm. Um, and still to this day, there is reservations and there's issues when it comes to men playing those type of roles Mm -hmm. but even when you date back to early theater times women couldn't get hired so men had to play those roles Mm -hmm. so it's still crazy that people have these issues when it comes to gender and roles and acting or even like a drag persona being a character and not being something that's overly sexualized so yeah how do you feel about the state of things now? Do you think we've... Mm. I, we've obviously come a long way. There's mm. always more to do, but do you think we're in a good forward direction? Or? I mean, I'll, I'll base this as... Um, like, when I think about, like, the L word, mm-hmm. like, when it first came out, mm-hmm. it, was, it was, like, really problematic looking mm-hmm. back. Mm-hmm. But, like, it was the first time, like, as a whole, that was the majority of folks. Mm-hmm. And so then, to, like, see it now, Generation Q... It's been really interesting to see how they've tried to diversify and include. And sometimes you're like, okay, like we get it. Like you're trying to have everybody represented, but like they were very intentional about their characters and stuff like that. And I think that shows that they had people on their um, board or in their conversations that were talking about those things. And so I think that would be like an ideal thing situation to have, where everybody's sitting there and saying, who's missing from this conversation? Who's missing from this this board? Who's missing from this you know leadership? Like, who's missing? And I think we're starting to have that conversation, but I definitely think we're still in pretty early stages of it. You know, I think one of the best early representations for gay black men in diversity was Noah's art. Mm-hmm. Um, because it wasn't that everybody was a feminine gay man, which everyone feels like is always represented. And I also touched on the health aspects of HIV and STIs, testing the importance of that. Um, it showed a lot about the um, issues that a lot of gay men are battling and dealing with within, even when it comes to the trades or the masculine guys that um, people feel like, well, you know, they're not going to really want to date a gay guy, but Wade and um, Noah just was like <laughs> one of the best love stories. And I remember early on when it came out, so many people was like, you remind me of Noah. And I was like, when I watched it, I was like, I do, like I am. <laughs> I am that fabulous ass Noah and, you know, the mm-hmm. man's do fall in love with me. <laughs> I'm not turning anybody, they just fall in love. <laughs> You're so easy to fall in love with, truly. <laughs> But yeah, yes. it's always good to have, like like I said, always to have different diverse representation. I still feel like there is more representation that needs to be showcased and seen. Um, and more of the positive productive stuff of like people who work in business, um, people who are working in like the the business of trying to promote healthcare, promote, you know, support for our LGBT youth and young folks. Um, it's not always just about those in the club. It's not always mm-hmm. just about um, them, um, overly sexualized and stuff mm-hmm. like that. It's so much more to the LGBT person's life. And I think um, more shows that can show the dynamics, because like, even with like lesbians, there's such a different dynamic, and everyone always thinks, well, it's just the film girls and stuff like that. It's 
more than outside, even the studs as well. So there's so much more, but everything is always focused on the gay man. Um, even with our trans um, trans individuals, like to have pose, that is a great thing to have. Um, it shows some diversity. It shows, but they can go in deep a little bit more because there still needs to be more representation for trans men in media, um, in care, just in general. Um, but I mean, it's it's still so much more to show, and with the nuances of things that are coming along, um, there's going to be still more representation that needs to have. Like non-binary is getting its uh, wave because of Sam Sam Smith and stuff like that. So there's more that's going to come. But I know that society still wants to have this closed door mindset mm -hmm. where we didn't know, we don't understand. Mm -hmm. Well, everybody knew and everybody understands because. In my mindset, everyone was born by curious, so, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Okay, <laughs> probably, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah it's fair. Mm -hmm. Good, all right. Well, great. Well, thank you both for sharing. Yeah. I appreciate that. Um, all right, well, our final kind of topic here in, in our news and culture topics um, the Ohio primary mm -hmm. um, is coming up. This podcast will be released on the actual date, which is March 17th. So Let's if you're see. listening, right. uh -huh. go vote. Go vote. <laughs> go vote. Go vote. Um, yeah, I, I know. It's, it's been a while. Why is it important to vote? Why is it important to vote? Oh, goodness. Well, I completely understand sort of just apathy about the whole mm -hmm. situation and it doesn't really matter and mm -hmm. what is the point. But... Um, it still feels like w one of the few things left that we can seemingly do as mm -hmm. people. Um, you know, go out, protest, advocate, all that, but, you know, vote as well. It may be, um, a lot of people focus on the presidential election, but there's also a lot of local things that come down to literally one or two votes. And so mm -hmm. getting out there and, and having your voice heard, um, I feel like is such a valuable thing to do. Um, the importance of voting, um, a lot of people you know are discouraged by because they feel like their voice isn't being heard or their vote, their vote doesn't count. But every vote counts and every number counts. And when we come together in numbers, we can have greater results. And when we um, divide the numbers, that's when we have what happened prior. So if don't nobody want to live in this world of, you know, um, the Trump factor, or you know, just um, the apprentice of everyone getting fired and dropped like bad habits. Everyone who feels like they have an opinion, who feels like they have a concern, who feels like I'm not only just sitting here making a vote for myself, but I vote for those in the future that's coming along, or you can, our young people. So, for all those who voted and fought for our rights to vote prior to us, which has had allowed us to be able to not deal with some of the things that was happening prior. But as we see, things are still progressing and trying to get back to those times. So we as the people currently now and those who just recently turned 18 that gets that chance to vote, they should go out there and rock their votes. Um, I feel like we should get back to the campaign that Diddy had with the voter die um, because it is a voter die situation. Uh, we have to make some changes in all avenues of politics to make sure that moving forward, there are more rightful people in positions who honestly can handle the position who understands politics, mm -hmm. who's not in politics just to be a controlling individual, but in politics to listen to the community and figure out what's going to work best for the community. Because with everything, when it's community-oriented and just oriented on society, 
every society view or point should be um, looked at as something of importance. And everything right now, it just seems like it's about the man trying to control whatever they can in women's lives, LGBT people's lives, healthcare. Like, mm-hmm. we have to do better. Like, if we want uh, to make America great again, it's not putting Trump in office. It's not um, divide more division. To make America great again, we have to unite. Unity is power, and unity is light. And at this point, we can unite instead of fighting and battling with each other. So every um, culture, every race, every it's not a battle with, within each other. Every um, sexuality, it's not a battle within each other. Like We have to find our commonalities, our common grounds, and fight together because together and united, we will make a difference and make a change. I think from like a mathematical standpoint, because like I feel you on that, and like I feel like I like I agree with you on the emotional from the emotional standpoint, and like like I literally think about it as we say like oh it our vote doesn't count, but like literally like when you're talking like 50% of folks not voting that are eligible or that could vote, like it completely skews the statistics and the numbers, and I'm like. We say it wouldn't matter, but like we don't know the collective power of actually going to vote because we haven't all gone and done it. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying like I like I get really frustrated when people go and they like, you know, write in Harambe like or something mm-hmm. like that. Like that's frustrating to me. That feels like a wasted vote and I know people are trying to make statements, but it's like if we all went and even even with the diversity of candidates that people would choose, if we all just went <clears throat> to go and the hope, you know, is that we can find the best candidates, and it's a rough one this time. <laughs> um, but like, like the hope is that we would go in, even with some diversity within a party or within a best choice scenario, that we would still like have collective power because so many people would go vote. And I don't think people realize like those numbers and what those numbers actually are. Mm-hmm. And that's like that's the devastation is like you're like, but we won't know until we actually do it. Now, if we all went and voted, and then like some electoral college something happened, then we could be like, see, this is crap. You know what I mean? But we, we haven't got there yet. Done it, yeah. So we don't know. Like we don't know if we actually came in and turned over things. It's the same as like any type of revolution. We don't know what it looks like, you know, in different countries they have hundreds of thousands of people in the streets uniting about something and then government stuff changes. Mm-hmm. So like, you know, if that Cuba like you I mean when you're looking at stuff like that, when you look at things like that and the power of collective power. We don't use that really well here together. And I mean, I, I know that goes back to days of being, um, you know, divided based on poverty and, and white and race. And so there was there was a lot of strategic, systemic type of oppression and stuff like that that keeps keeps a lot of people divided. But I, I really think that we have we have no idea how powerful we could be as a collective power if we would just kind of come together on on especially just voting. You know, for sure. And this this is speculation because really we would have to talk directly to youth. But as a youth organization, you know, we do serve um, (laughs) up to 24. And a lot of political pundits would say the youth um, aren't going out and voting. And and they're the reason why, you know, whatever progressive measures aren't happening and stuff like that. Why? Why do you think youth aren't voting? I, our youth are. That's what I was about to say. Our youth are voting, and our youth are very engaged. And I'm, you know, I work with our community advisory board, which is mostly youth, um, 16 to 19. But like our 18-year-olds are very engaged. Like we had get the vote out come in here, and we had a really good conversation about what that looks like and what civic engagement looks like. And so they're they're into the issue. Like they know what's going on. They're like, 
on top of a lot of stuff involved in protest. They're, they're ready to be a part of it. So I see them voting. And I think a lot of awareness and uh, opportunities to engage in those discussions for most youth may be why, or they just vote like their parents vote. You know what I mean? So yeah. like you see a lot of those situations. So I don't know if we're creating enough youth spaces, like youth 17 to 19, or 17 to 20, to have those conversations. Um, and at Mosaic, I know they're doing it. At KYC, they're doing it. But it's like really a question of how many opportunities do they have to engage to even know the power of it if their parents don't believe in it or aren't voting. Like it's kind of generational, I guess. So we should create more spaces yes, for young people. But I think that um, we're always going to be shocked this year because I think our youth and our young people are extremely woke. Mm-hmm. They're tired of the BS. Um, mm-hmm. They know that their voice does count. Um, like you said, they're out rallying, they're out campaigning. They're like mm-hmm. interrupting, doing a lot of stuff or whatever. So it's not like um, youth are scared. Um, I do believe, like you said, that some people are just going to follow uh, the family bloodline and what the family does. But I think right now, so many youth and young people, especially those who are being dealt with disparities that not even been connected to their family and stuff like that. They're just figuring out on their own. And dealing with so many youth and young people who are homeless and stuff like that, they want to see a difference in change in housing. They want to see a difference in change in opportunities. So many um, TG and C and B and C youth and young people right now, they are upset with the issues that's going on with the laws that are being created that's trying to stop them and their young ones that are coming up and stuff from being able to grow and be who they are and stuff like that. So the youth and young people, I think, will make a greater turnout. I honestly feel like it's going to be our generation of people who are mm-hmm. just... Uh, I went out there and voted during Trump time and look what happened. Electoral still. Right. Or I mm-hmm. voted on this and it's still and I think people could we I feel like we're dealing with that era of burnout. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people are just like, you know what, we're we're tired but we're trying to press forward. I just wish the show would just drop in and hop in because I think everybody I think everybody will come around. Like, I ain't touching that. Okay. Like I will not. I'm good. (laughs) Enjoy my retirement. My husband aged 25 years. Exactly. We're good. Yeah. Yeah. That's funny. All right. Great. Bottom line. Vote. March 17th is Ohio's primary, and then we'll we'll continue here on the podcast to kind of follow all of that very closely and talk more about voting and maybe we can get a few of the candidates on our show. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. We'll be sending out invitations. Hello everyone. We are still here with Speaking Clearly and we are back for a really exciting portion of our podcast and I have with us uh, Michaela Robinson. So thank you for being here. There, there are bells and whistles that y'all can't see. Um, and first and most importantly, what pronouns would you like me to use? Well, thanks for having me here at Speaking Clearly at KYC. Um, Michaela uh, Robinson. I use all pronouns he, she, they. Um, but for the most part, I like people to understand. My main pronoun is just either Caleb or Michaela, either name. Um, as long as you respect my name, I'm really not concerned about any anything else that you may feel like you're seeing, viewing, mm-hmm. because what you see is what you're going to see. Mm-hmm. What I give is what I'm going to give. So I'm going to be all three, maybe. I may just be <laughs> she. I may just be he, or maybe all three. I'm going to be they. So you know. I that's just that. that's just how it is. I love that. <laughs> and I've known Michaela for 
I did, it's almost, it's coming up on like seven years. Yeah, I think Karen knows KB, Caleb, and Michaela. Uh-huh, I do. And I tell you what, there's, I, when you talk about people that encompass all things, <laughs> I would absolutely have to say that Michaela does that. So I'm super happy to have you on the show today. And I guess my first question is, you know, how did you get involved in, in health work and what is it that your current role is right now? Alrighty, so, um... I've been in health field for quite a long time. Um, before I got to the workforce of actually doing healthcare, um, I was in um, cosmetologist. So I um, graduated from Aveda, and I did care. So you got to deal with health and sanitation and stuff like that. But I left um, cosmetology once um, in 2017. I had the opportunity. There was a grant called Mosaic 17-1704 um, through um, CDC, and it was their first time creating um, a grantee program for the transgender, gender non-conforming, non-binary communities. Um, seven places have that grant, and um, Ohio has Mosaic. It was um, one of the first um, drop-in centers that was created just for a POC, transgender, non-binary, non-conforming youth and young people ages 13 and 29. Mm-hmm. I started out there as a prevention um, specialist, so I was a tester. Um, I've been there since the beginning of its course and its time, um, helped it grow and mature. Um, and what we did was to have, we hold community events, um, there's a drop-in space where you can come in, play video games, hang out, watch movies, there's a resource area to, um, use computers, um, me and Lester, um, Singleton, we decided to create something called, um, Threads Revisited, which is a community closet, so our TG and CMB and C community can come in, they can pick out whatever clothes that they want and need it and not have to deal with feeling like I'm forced to a gender section, like when I go to the store and stuff like that, so... People um, from the community have donated within that, and then also people within our own community have donated some of their stuff from prior before they started transitioning stuff to help another person. We've done many different things um, within the community, um, but for the most part, it's just promoting safe sex, um, being a condom dealer, um, (laughs) testing, trying to get people linked to care, um, and also within that, um, I did a lot of work with PrEP. Mm -hmm. Then there was a new grant that came along EIS, which is the Poppy program, and that's where I'm at now. Where I work as a trans health navigator, and it's small, it's small um, managing of like case managing, but for the most part, it's for people who are HIV negative and they want to get on PrEP. The Poppy program is a secondary insurance um, that people can use, or if you don't have insurance, it could be like a full medical. And there's three requirements: you have to um, be Ohio residents, um, be HIV negative, and make under sixty-two thousand four hundred and fifty dollars. And so we can get you prep at low cost and no cost. Um, so can that's what I've been doing. Can you more about what prep is? Alrighty, prep is a prophylactic to help um, in the fight of HIV contractions. Mm-hmm. Um, so what people can do when you know that you're negative, you can get um, get on prep. We have either Travada or Descovy, and what it does is to create a protective barrier around the blood cells that could become infected, and so. To have that protective barrier, it allows you, so just in case if you were to have sex without a condom and you feel like you came in contact in, with HIV, it would be something that you could take to make sure that you're not becoming positive. Mm-hmm. But there's also another drug called PEP, which is if you've um, been in a situation of exposure, you have to get on that within the first 72 hours. Mm-hmm. Um, so even if you feel like you've been in a rape situation or mm-hmm. anything like that, and if you go to the doctor and you get your rape kit, they should also be able to test you to make sure, and if you need to get on PEP, you should be able to get on it. They give it out at the uh, emergency rooms and stuff mm-hmm. like that as well. Mm-hmm. 
there is um, trying to get more people to be prep providers because you know there are some people in the medical field who feels like it's not a good thing or a good tool because along with prep there's the campaign of you equals you which is undetectable equals untransmittable which I'm a part of that national campaign as well and basically that is for anybody who is HIV positive it allows that once you're medically adherent um, you can get to a point to where your viral load is so um, depressed I mean not the it's so um, low within the system mm -hmm. that it's um, coming up as undetectable. And once a person is undetectable, they cannot transmit the virus to someone if they were to have unprotected sex. Um, that was something that came around like in 2016. But PrEP has been, been around for a long time. Um, it's been around kind of since like 2008, but it didn't get notable and didn't get put out in, until a few years later. There was testing trials on white men and stuff for a long time but it didn't get out within a lot of the POC communities and stuff for a very long time. And right now, that's one of the um, biggest issues. POC communities of heterosexual men and women are the highest with um, contracting with HIV right now and STIs. And also, they would say, are black and Latino trans women as well. So we're trying to get into those communities and sections of people to really get more of our POC community on board of getting on PrEP. Mm -hmm. My biggest selling point is if you know that you're not using condoms or that you don't like condoms, um, using PrEP is, like I said, a contraceptive that would help fight the um, contraction. Mm -hmm. If you catch uh, chlamydia, syphilis, or gonorrhea, you can get a um, three-day pill or a shot regimen or whatever. Nobody really wants to catch an STI, but I'm like, you have to make that option and choice mm -hmm. of your risk factors. Do I want to catch um, something or contract something to where I'm going to be on medicine for a lifelong time, mm -hmm. or do I want to practice safe, safer practices of either using PrEP, just like some people may use birth control to help fight from having a baby. Um, it's something of that same caliber. Mm -hmm. I think when you're talking about like being so sex positive, like it's so important to have this information because mm -hmm. you can make like wiser and positive decisions in terms of your own health, like you said. Um, so thank you for, for all that information. When we talk about LGBTQ plus health, what do you think the disparities are in terms of like access to care? Some of the main and biggest disparities is there's just not enough access points for people to get to care. Mm -hmm. A lot of our rural areas are people in like smaller counties. They have to travel very far to get to the nearest doctor to get care. Um, there's also just not enough um, representation as far as in the media, as far as in um, advertisement. And as far as just putting stuff in the right communities where it needs to be to make the actual work that needs to be had to be done. So um, if there were more clinics and more spaces and then just more um, networking of what is provided within certain communities or just allow people to know where they can go and where these different resources are. Even though a lot of people are so technology advanced with their iPhones and Androids, mostly iPhone people. Mm -hmm. There's so much technology <laughs> in your pockets. But a lot of people still won't do that simple research and just mm -hmm. figure out, like, you know, this is right here, this is near. Um, even when it comes to testing, there's free testing in so many places and there's free condoms in so many places, but yet people still don't want to gravitate and take them. If you're still purchasing condoms from the store, by all means, power to you, but right. you can get free condoms by the caseload, bag load, mm -hmm. box load. So right. you can keep condoms with you always. Um, but it's yeah. just like, um, I think that also the issue, especially with our TG and CNB folks, um, people not being um, educated enough. So when people come in, they're still dead naming, they're still um, using the um, wrong pronouns, right. they're not using the proper names. So it's just about being um, very in tune with 
the services that you offer, the community that you serve, mm -hmm. um, being present. If you pay attention and listen when somebody does their introduction, most times they're giving you this info, and if you receive it and put that in, then you should be able to give it back out. Um, and if you look in somebody's system, in the system, they may ask for a preferred name, but they also may ask for your birth name, but your preferred name is always the name that's going to come up first. Mm -hmm. But you still have people who will use the birth name mm -hmm. or the birth sex. And so it's just about being very clear and very um, honest and transparent about what you're doing and when you're interacting because sometimes your first interaction with somebody could be the front desk. Mm -hmm. And when you go in and if you feel like you're not being respected at the front desk, you're not even worried about getting to the medical room. Yeah. You're not even worried about going to the pharmacy. Um, then I think there needs to be better access to health care. Um, there's a big challenge. Even when it comes time for like the ACA plans, you got a short window time when people can try to sign up. Um, but if you're going through transitions, maybe you may have insurance, maybe you may have a transition with jobs, you don't know if you should apply or not. Um, I've had a client who just turned 26. He's been taking off his parents' insurance and he doesn't have his mm -hmm. own. So that's where Poppy was able to come in because he wants to be on prep to help make sure that he has that coverage until he does get insurance. So even with the access to that, there's still people who feel like, oh, I didn't know, I didn't, but it's, it's out there. So I think also a lot of the disparities is just what people deal with, with as far as lack of support. When you're young and you have a mother, father, or a guardian who's putting you out because you're accepting who you are, how are you supposed to get medical care? You're not even thinking about it, you don't really know what to do. So there's a lot of people who haven't been to the dentist in a long time and your dental care is one of the main important things because a lot of stuff happens from the mouth. There are a lot of nerves and a lot of things in there. Mm -hmm. um, so a lot of issues can start just from the dental area and a lot of people don't understand it and know that. Um, mental health and issues like that with seeing counselors and therapists is just not enough. One of the biggest issues is a lot of people want to see themselves. There's not enough POC people in these positions. They're not getting mm -hmm. the opportunities. Even yeah. though so many people are graduating with the degrees, the opportunities are not being had. So there's so many things that um, calculate and add up to the list of disparities and it's continuously growing and it's continuously going. One of the biggest disparities right now is politics and the government mm -hmm. snatching and taking away mm -hmm. and you know just trying to make it even harder for people to eat, access and get greater medical care. So mm -hmm. yeah. I think we um we look at this from like a harm reduction standpoint yes. you know and like in terms of can you talk a little bit about what harm reduction and in thinking and considering like what people experience in discrimination like how those two go together can you talk a little bit about that harm reduction is um i think something that's on the rise because we are dealing with a lot of people who are um, dealing with drug issues and things like that and od and stuff like that so there's more access to trying to create more access to that even harms when it comes to sexuality like but it's it takes a personal individual to realize my personal health is of importance so i'm going to do whatever it is that i can that i need to do and fight whatever disparities or barriers that may be had to make sure that i can get the access to care even when it comes to discrimination we're going to constantly deal with discrimination but there's ways around it and there's ways to fight it and to still be able to be successful and what it is that you need to gain or for your care. Um, it's sometimes there's a lot of loopholes, there's a lot of things that you have to deal with. Just think about somebody trying to get health care and you have to go to job and family service. That may take eight to 10 hours out of your day. Mm -hmm. But if you really need that care, you're gonna have to take that commitment to sit there for that eight to 10 hours to fight those disparities and fight whatever discrimination you may feel like you may deal with. You may go down there and you may feel like you are set up with having this, but then they're like, well, you don't got this, so you need to do this, do that. 
it's going to be a runaround because they know when it comes to getting free care or um, government care or things like that, people will give up quickly and easy. So there are people who do make it more hard for people to try to even get that stuff, but you have to fight that. When it comes to the discrimination, there's instant discrimination for people just walking in the door or even making a phone call. Um, even when you just check your race, sometimes that's just discrimination. When you check your identity or your expression, that can be discrimination. And like, when you work in these type of fields, you choose to commit yourself to work with all people. Mm -hmm. But for those who have an attitude or a mindset, I can pick and choose who and what I want. You have to realize your, um, your certification or your degree that you work so hard for can instantly be snatched away. Mm -hmm. If people were to use the legal system to have to fight some of these things, but even with that, it's so much even with the legal system to pay for a lawyer, to continue to go through the battles, and if you have to go to trial. So the cycle of discrimination is just an issue that the world has to grow and mature with. We're in 2020 now, and you would think um, we was, as much as we're trying to fight for progression, we're still holding ourselves back. Mm -hmm. And we, the people, have to, you know, figure out, do we want to move forward or do we want to stay stagnant? And I feel like as far as we're trying to mature and grow with the world, no matter what, it's going to, things are just going to continue to keep happening. But what are we doing to make it better and to, you know, decrease some of these issues? For sure. So with all that, what is the importance of having affirming care? Like what is created when we have affirming care in health spaces? When you have affirming care, you create, um, a joyous experience of your health care. Mm -hmm. Like it creates people being happy to go to the doctor. It creates people happy to see their therapist or their dental um, hygiene person. It just creates an atmosphere of comfort. Mm -hmm. um, like when I first had to start getting care, it was kind of rough, it was kind of hard. Um, so I didn't have the stability. Mm -hmm. um, I didn't have proper housing. I didn't have proper health care. I didn't have, so I wasn't stable, but the fact that the agency was able to meet me where I was to help me get to that point. Mm -hmm. um, with, when I got my diagnosis back in 2006 um, of HIV positive, so it was a battle and I didn't know what to really do. And then for six years of that early on, I didn't know what I was going to do or how I was going to um, be successful in it. When it got to the point to where the doctor was like, you need to be on medicine, I had to disclose to my family for people. I never disclosed and talked to anybody about anything in those early years because mm -hmm. I was trying to figure out what I was going to do, how I was going to handle, how I was going to manage before I disclosed to anybody else. And when I did disclose, people had their moments of, you know, being sad, upset, and things like that. But I was like, it's my body. But to get on the medicine, because I wasn't used to taking such a big pill, my doctor, she set me up with a vitamin so I could practice. Mm -hmm. um, so that was just a lot of love and care just to be there. Like, um, mm -hmm. I've been able to reach out to her for different moments, uh, different discussions that I need to be had even before I was even in counseling or therapy, or they've been able to refer me to the proper care and proper people. I'm just very frank and honest with my doctor, like, <laughs> with anything. Like, if she's like, well, what did you do last night? Like, well, you know, I got it. Like, I don't try to sugarcoat nothing because I want the best care. Mm -hmm. With my therapist, I don't sugarcoat anything. I want the best care. With my dental person, I don't sugarcoat anything because I want the best care. But it's also affirming because they respect who I am. They respect my expression. They respect my identity. They respect they're constantly asking questions of because so many people want to figure out, all right, am I trans? Do I want to transition? <laughs> so what pronoun do you want? And I'm just like, you know, it's, it's a shocker for some when I say all, oh, but they want to make sure that they're being very affirming and there's nothing that's going to be causing harm and stuff. 
But I'm a bit a big jokester, so sometimes I play with them. Like if I come in and they're like, "Hey," I'm like, "No, you know, I'm a she," or like. Uh-huh. But I, you know, I enjoy the fact that I'm able to have that rapport with mm-hmm. everyone in my medical team. But I choose to make sure that it's affirming. Um, they choose to make sure that it's affirming. So it's a work in progress. It's not always just because some people do get upset when they have to educate the providers. I'm one of those people. I'm very open to where if you're asking a question or you don't understand, I'm, I'd rather be able to educate instead of saying being upset. Like, well, you went to medical school, you should know it. There's things that's constantly changing that's not always in the medical books. And with certain identities, stuff just change every hour, every second, every minute. So a lot of stuff is individualized. So you have to make sure you're individually putting yourself into your care. You have to make sure you're understanding it. Go check your chart. Go check your um. Go check whatever. Like you want to be up to the, up to par with everything that your doctor's trying to do and work with you. And if you feel like you're not getting affirming care, it's okay to shop around and figure out who's going to be best. Um, you don't have to settle quickly and settle. Um, because I've always been very you know on guard about everything mm-hmm. before I started anything. <clears throat> okay. So what are ways that we can support in the community? with like the movement, right? Like the movement to to have people be aware, to educate people, like what are what are things that we can do as citizens to to help that process? One of the first things I feel like people have to do is just support one another. When you see a friend, you see someone who works in a field, you see someone who works at an agency or you see someone that's trying to, you know, make sure that they're providing the education or providing the resources within their community or other communities share their flyers, share their um, posters, invite your friends, um, tell a friend, invite somebody at a different agency, somebody in a different work field, um, even if it's something that may be for testing, but invite a counselor because people need that. Mm-hmm. Um, they need that support. Um, we gotta figure out how to link support systems together. Um, within um, community, so many people are trying to do the same thing but we need to figure out how can we work together and be unified to where we're just, it's a triage of passing and supporting of one another. If somebody's gonna age out here, let's figure out how to make sure we get them in this care so they don't age out and don't have the proper care. If someone is at this agency, but we know they can get care at this agency, just partner and kiss and stuff or whatever to make it happen to make it work. Because at the end of the day, your consumer, your client, your patient, you wanna make sure that they're getting the best of whatever they can get when it comes to their care and what they need. Um, another big thing would be just go out there and vote for the proper issues and the proper care to make sure that we are getting what we need from our government to make sure that when it, the policies are put into place, they're actually getting the access that they need. Be okay with challenging your providers. Be okay with challenging the agencies. Be okay with speaking up and being unapologetic about what you need and what it is that you're seeking. Because when you're dealing with, um, I guess, agencies in the nonprofit sector and just people that are starting up, Focus groups or community um, community advisory councils and stuff like that is what's needed to figure out what is it that people actually really desire and what they need. Mm-hmm. If you have the power to make access to it, make the access. Um, if you don't have the power to make the access to it, figure out how you can merge with somebody else to make access happen. Um, people can just, you know, stop being young and naive. <laughs> and just, you know, gravitate to the reality. Okay. So that's one thing about me, whenever I speak about anything when it comes to healthcare, I'm, I'm just very raw and honest about it and just mm-hmm. the reality of it. Like, yep. I had to go speak with the VA before and we're, um, come to find out our 55 and plus older community are very high in catching um, HIV and STIs nowadays. And I was like, you know, in the discussion, I was like, well, you know, with sugarmommiesandsugardaddies.com, you know, the reality of the situation is 
we have older people that's getting out of relationships and they want to, you know, feel young and feel free. But the education they had in their day is what they're still holding on to. So you have to get updated with the education of now and figure out what's going on. As well as the mentee mentor situation of some of our elders with our young folks or some of our young folks with our elders. You know, get that education and, you know, understand and be respectful of those who came before you and the fight that they put in for the work and figure out how you can be, you know, a follower and not always just a leader. A lot of things we have so many leaders, but we don't have enough followers and enough um, stewards that's working and trying to, you know, build and make stuff happen. But I think also just sharing. Sharing is caring. <laughs> like, it, it, mm-hmm. it is. I mean, just share what you know, share what you've gained. Like, because mm-hmm. so many of us, we get to go to different conferences, we get to go to different lectures, we get to mm-hmm. go to a lot of stuff. Come back and share that stuff within your communities or with other people so we can figure out. If I'm not in a, if I'm not in the um, the room to be able to do it, I know I help somebody else so they can do it. Because no matter what, wherever you go, somebody's going to be needing care or stuff or whatever of what we do. So. For like a Google search, if I'm looking up places to go to get tested, let's start there. Mm-hmm. Um, where are some places that I should like Google or look up? And if you type in free HIV and STI testing, you're going to see um, Equitop Health come up. Mm-hmm. Um, AHF come up, you're going to see the Columbus Public Health Department, you'll see Mosaic um, pop up. I do believe there's testing that happens here for mm-hmm. young people yep. on certain days. Um, you'll see like different um, hospitals and clinics and stuff. But for the most part, um, for people who are insured, if you go to your medical provider, your primary care doctor, things like that, you're going to pay the fee for testing. Um, if you want to get tested, go to the free clinic and get tested. So, right. it, and it also helps for people that have certain demographic and numbers that they have to reach. Um, like um, Mosaic, we have to reach um, TGNC and be non-binary, transgender, non-conforming youth and young people ages 13 to 29. Love Health Department, I do believe they see a various of a lot of people. Equitas sees a various of a lot of people, but there's different programs. You can also go to um, Safe Point out west. Mm-hmm. which is a harm reduction place for a needle exchange. There's also testing out there. Um, I think there's sometimes mobile vans that happen. There's testing at clubs. There's testing at different events that happen. So there's always testing out of the seven days of the week. I do believe there's at least five or six of the days where there's testing somewhere that's happening. Right. Sometimes just multiple things. Um, there's also opportunities where you can get testing at home. So if you just go to... Um, the OHAV hotline or um, Equitas Health hotline, you can get set up to where you can have somebody come touch you at home. Um, even if you want to be on PrEP, there's something called Teleprep that has been set up to where you don't even have to come to the um, doctor's office. You can meet the doctor on your tablet or your phone and you'll go to like a lab for to get your lab results done and that's how you'll follow up because that's something that's being created because in the rural areas, like I said earlier, there's so many people who need the care but there's not enough clinics in those spaces. Mm-hmm. So there's so much that's been happening and so much that's changing and just so many avenues of resources. Use that Google. Um, she's mm-hmm. gonna be your best friend. Mm-hmm. For those who like Alexis, <laughs> ask Alexis. She'll be your best friend. But, yeah, you know, for sure. Just realize and know that it's probably next door to you. It's mm-hmm. that simple and easy. It's 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 close and it's there. Sometimes you may have to drive a distance, but your personal health is your personal care and when you do that, it's a great thing and be open to having general sexual conversation. There's nothing wrong with it. Like people have sex freely, like it's a leisure sport, but they don't want to talk about it. Right. Like it's general conversation. Mm-hmm. 
um, when I was testing and you deal with people that's multiple testing and you tell them like, you don't have to always get tested because if you know your risk factors or you know what's going on, then you would know like, study risk factors and know like, just be, contraction happens if there's rips and tears or you have open sores and stuff mm -hmm. like that, if blood come in contact or secretion and stuff like that. But a lot of people don't even understand that. There's people who still think you can contract HIV from spit. And that right. you have to get get up with the education of the times. Like it's nowhere near like it was in the eighties. Mm -hmm. The fight of the community in the eighties and nineties, the act up and all that fighting with the medical providers to get the proper care. That's why we are where we are now. Um, where we're at an end where we can end HIV. Right. But it takes us in the community to make sure if you are HIV positive, you're getting medically adherent. You can get an HIV virus. You can get an HIV diagnosis today and be undetectable within three weeks to a month. Mm -hmm. Is that quick and that easy and that simple? And as long as you're taking that pill daily or your cocktail daily, we want to keep making sure that that's something good. The stigma around people who are positive and people who are undetectable is still has, that's a fight that we have to, you know, we have to dismantle that because it's okay to still love an individual. What people fail to realize is someone who was scared to test or not getting tested, they're the ones that's the biggest risk factor than someone who has gotten tested who knows that they're positive or who knows that they're positive in on medicine and who knows that they're undetectable. But yet people will still see that undetectable status and still treat you as if mm. you're scum to the earth and that's, that's not fair. Right. Just like if you're negative, you know, you want to be respected. And if you're positive, you want to be respected. But I think we just search what you need to search. Um, if you need mental health care, search mental health care. That's in there. Search um, behavioral health care. It's so many places and so many great spaces to go to and get it. So we have to know it's okay to get counseling. It's okay to speak mm -hmm. to somebody. It's okay to see the doctor. It's okay if you get a bump and you concern, you need to go get it checked. Don't let these bumps and these sores or this discharge or odors just keep going. Um, you want to get checked out and make sure because if you let stuff go too long, it can go to worse cases. It can lead to blindness and stuff like that. And yeah. You don't want to become blind just because you have a sexual appetite. So. Right. <laughs> so if somebody is inspired by your ability to make things plain and, and have the conversation, how could they get a hold of you to ask questions maybe? Oh, all right. You can reach me at Michaela, Miss Michaela Denise on Instagram. You can follow me at Miss Michaela Denise on Facebook. Caleb Michaela Denise Robinson on Facebook is my regular page um, where you get all of me in that one page. <laughs> I created my business page due to the fact when I was running as Miss Gay Ohio 2018. Um, you can contact me at Michaela Robinson at equitashealth.com. Um, you can find me at Shortner Clinic, King Lincoln Clinic. Um, you can find me almost any and everywhere. I'm on a lot of different advertisements and stuff like that. So there's a lot of places you can reach out and find me. If you want someone to come and speak, talk on any topics, I'm always open to that. I love to share my story and talk and encourage and empower and uplift. Mm -hmm. um, if you're looking for someone that you need some condoms, I can bring you some condoms. Um, yes. You need lube, bring yes. some lube. You need your dental gowns, um, you need your um, insertive condoms. Um, but it's, it's just all about the importance of your health, the other person's health, and everybody else's health in that good life. And make sure you're... Um, Disinfecting and wiping down because with this coronavirus, you oh, know, goodness. Yeah. 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 it's still yeah. like it's people so you know so frivolous about stuff to where they don't think about like it's so easy to contract and catch something when you're just not having a proper sanitation and care. So, 
seek out all that you need to make sure that you're having the best care and support your friends in their care um, encourage your friends to get proper care keep kind of in your car to give to a friend tell a friend like keep them on you at all times if you can but yeah, know your status too. Oh yeah, know your status. Know There's your nothing wrong status. with knowing your status. Yes. Um, there's nothing wrong with taking um, power in your status. There's mm-hmm. nothing wrong with allowing your status to, you know, dic- make a change in your life or to uh, encourage you and mature you. Mm-hmm. When I got my diagnosis, it was a scary thing, but at the same point in time, um, it was something that actually woke me up of because my first HIV test was a positive test, so I don't mm-hmm. know what it is to get a negative result. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was like my first boyfriend. I remember the night that it happened, I know the person I was with, and it was just like, I was more so upset with myself because I always told myself, once I start having sex, or before I start having sex, I want to go get tested. But I was caught up in love and lust, and that's just not what I was thinking about. I was caught, caught up in enjoying the party life of drinking and smoking, so it wasn't in the mindset and purview. So, But now, I want to just share my story and share, um, and just take the importance of it back because... I never let my diagnosis be that something that was going to take me away from being able to be great, but it actually made me greater um, because it gave me a more of a purpose of living and it uh, gave me a chance to value life more differently. So a lot of people never knew for a long time like why I just thrive to always want to do 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 an experience. Because um, I know you have your birth date, you have your death date, and that dash is about your experiences. And so I want to experience as much as I can in my life. And as a person who was scared of um, fearful of death when I got my diagnosis I'm like okay I don't know what's going to happen when it's going to happen but I just thrive and thrive and I'm like 14 years positive 7 years undetectable and I've reached so much in my life and a lot of people don't even know that what I go through with my mentor or with my health but I don't allow it to try to bring me down because um, the slogan that I live by is something I always want to leave everybody with is every negative can be turned into a positive but every positive can be turned into a greater positive mm-hmm. So I want to take my positive diagnosis and do positive in the world and in the community so people can understand. Your health, if you take heed into getting the proper medical care, your health is not going to be the issue. Mm-hmm. It's the mental of battling the stigma that we deal with in society, yeah. of rejection, and just the stigma of how people still try to be malicious and evil and rude to people. Mm-hmm. And also just the criminalization laws that come with it. Um, I'm a part of a community because of HIV criminalized. HIV is not a crime. Conference is coming here in May, at the end of May, early June. It's going to be held at Ohio State University. But if you want more of that information, you can reach out to me or follow me. Or um, it'll be stuff shared with Equitas Health. And then I'll share that information also here so we can get people signed up who may want to come out and be a part of that conference. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story. I think it's super powerful. and. If you ask me, it's a national, international story, and I'm, I'm all about getting it to that point if I have anything to do with it, but um, the community need more, needs more conversations like this, and so thank you very much for being one, one of them with us about all that. Thank you both for having me to share, yeah. right? Yeah. To share. <laughs> yes. Awesome. Yes. Thank you so much for being here, for sharing. Thank you to everyone who's listening to this. Mm-hmm. Um, we, you can get a hold of us here at KYC sure. um, at kycohio.org, or you can email us at info at kycohio.org. It's very easy. We keep it's it very simple. Yeah. Right here. Yeah. Yeah. Great. That's it. That's it. Yeah. All right. Thank you. All right. All right. I'm Jen. I'm Karen. And, and you've been speaking queerly with KYC. KYC.